0: I'm Jack Ruston. Welcome back to the Ruston's Boneyard Podcast. Last time we talked about the Nutritional Therapy Association's Foundations for Optimal Health and identified digestion as perhaps the most important foundation of all. Today we're going to take a look at some of the downstream consequences of poor digestion, starting with its impact on our endocrine system, on our hormones. Hormones are systemic signalling molecules released into the circulation from one location to elicit specific effects elsewhere. Their presence instructs any cell with the correct receptor to behave in a certain way. A hormone may have a specific target or a far wider reach acting on cells all over the body. Sometimes one hormone can result in the cascading release of a number of others, for example Adrenocorticotropic hormone from the pituitary gland in the brain acts at the adrenal glands down by the kidneys. The adrenals then release cortisol, epinephrine and norepinephrine which act throughout the body to increase blood pressure and volume, heart rate and contractility, blood sugar, bronchial and pupil dilation, the changes that characterise our fight or flight response. So we can think of the endocrine system as a radio network, capable of broadcasting instructions on specific frequencies to and from a variety of locations. So what has this got to do with digestion? Well, not only does the digestive system have a number of hormones of its own, but it's also responsible for absorbing the precursor nutrients that the body requires to make all of our hormones. Essential fatty acids and cholesterol, amino acids from the protein we eat, minerals like iodine, zinc, manganese, chromium, selenium and copper, and indirectly, even the energy we digest can affect our hormone production. If we're in too great a calorie deficit, our body will downregulate our production of sex and thyroid hormones, reducing our metabolic rate and preventing us from bringing more people into the world when resources are too scarce to feed them. And of course, the endocrine system isn't the only one affected by our digestive function. Split into innate and adaptive components, the immune system is comprised of a number of defensive layers – the physical barriers of our skin and mucous membranes, antimicrobial substances like interferons and iron-binding proteins, the neutrophils, macrophages and natural killer cells of the innate immune system, ready to engage whatever pathogens they may encounter and to respond to cytokine signals, a call to battle from other immune cells. And then there's the really clever stuff, the B and T cells of the adaptive immune system, capable of identifying specific pathogens and mounting a targeted response before remembering them for the future, retaining the capacity to respond so quickly that if we're ever infected again, we may not even realise it. Of course, all these cells have nutrient precursors that rely on the function of the digestive system – amino acids, vitamins A and D, and a host of B vitamins, as well as minerals like zinc, copper and iron. The body uses the lymphatic system to give our immune cells opportunities to encounter and identify threats. It stations immune cells around its borders. Clusters of secondary lymphatic tissue sit just beneath our skin, in our lungs, eyes and mouth, and in our gut gut associated lymphoid tissue contains some 70 to 80 percent of our immune cells judiciously placed where the body anticipates the greatest influx of bad guys and so it's no surprise that if our digestion isn't working well our immune system is affected our stomach acid which helps to disinfect our food may be low which also inhibits the activation of pepsin the enzyme which breaks down proteins and so pathogens Undigested food particles slow our gut motility and provide complex sugars for bacteria to feed on, leading to bacterial overgrowth high up in the digestive tract. This dysbiosis can crowd out the commensal bacteria that play such a powerful role in our health and well-being. Our gut bacteria act both as a modulator of the immune system as well as a physical barrier and their disruption can open the door to intestinal permeability – a loss of tone in the tight junctions of the gut lining which open slightly, allowing microbes to pass through. This leaky gut, as it's called, can also be driven by allergens or irritants in our food – gluten is a common one. The invading microbes can provoke an inflammatory immune response or it can be a little more complicated. Sometimes an antigen can have a structure that's very similar to other cells in the body. The adaptive immune system launches a targeted attack on that antigen, which inadvertently includes those healthy cells of our own tissues. And this molecular mimicry is the basis of many autoimmune diseases, like celiac disease or Hashimoto's thyroiditis. The autoimmune jigsaw is a complicated one, but the health of our digestive tract, the integrity of that gut lining is a crucial piece. Now, speaking of the immune response, speaking of inflammation, we've come to understand that it plays a significant role in the progression of our third consequence, cardiovascular disease. Most of us have been led to believe that heart attacks and strokes are the result of cholesterol from our bloodstream accumulating in our arteries forming plaques that restrict blood flow. But it's a little bit more complicated than that. Cholesterol isn't water-soluble, it isn't just floating about in our blood, but packed in lipoprotein particles. And it's these particles that come in different varieties, shapes and sizes, that can become lodged in the artery wall. And while they are necessary for that process of atherosclerosis, there is now some debate surrounding the extent to which they are the cause. We've learned that the health of our lipoproteins, as well as the landscape, the environment that we create for them, is every bit as important as their quantity. Atherosclerosis is not just a mechanical condition of sediment in our arteries falling out of suspension like silt on a river bend, but a disease of inflammation, of the immune response to glycated, oxidised, damaged lipoprotein particles, unrecognisable to the receptors that should have removed them from circulation. These atherogenic lipoproteins tend to be the small ones, which can penetrate the lining of the artery more easily, where they wait to be engulfed by macrophages, their collective debris leading to the formation of the foam cells which are the basis of atherosclerotic plaques. So a more atherogenic environment is one of chronically high inflammation, elevated blood sugar, hypertension and hyperinsulinemia. These are the hallmarks of type 2 diabetes, a major risk factor for cardiovascular disease. Some 80% of those with diabetes will go on to die from heart disease. There are various ways in which the composition of our diet can influence cardiovascular risk, but where does digestion specifically come into play? When it comes to cholesterol, everything hinges around the liver. It's responsible for the production of bile, which enables the absorption of cholesterol from the digestive tract, for the creation of lipoproteins, the clearance and recycling of those lipoproteins once their job is done, and the excretion of surplus cholesterol – again via the bile – back into the digestive tract. But if we have low gut motility, thick, sluggish bile or stones blocking the bile ducts or gallbladder, this important cycle is compromised. And it's not just cholesterol that's affected. Bile is essential for the absorption of fats. Fatty acids are the predominant fuel for the heart itself, and some omega-3 and 6 fats are essential for the correct management of inflammation. Fat-soluble vitamins like D and K2 play an important role in both the absorption of calcium, essential for regulating the electrical contraction of the heart, and in keeping that calcium largely in the bone mass, rather than depositing it in less helpful places like our arteries. And of course, there are other essential precursor nutrients that the structures of our cardiovascular system rely on, the amino acids, taurine and carnitine and the B vitamins, for example. Interestingly, our gut bacteria also produce some B vitamins and K2 as they go to work on the fibre and amino acids in our large intestine. But that's not the only thing they do. As we talked about with the immune system, our microbiome represents a barrier, protecting our gut lining and preventing excessive intestinal permeability. We talked about the negative effect of pathogens crossing into the bloodstream and one example of this is lipopolysaccharides, bacterial toxins that are particularly potent activators of inflammation, strongly implicated in the progression of heart disease. By supporting the health of our digestive tract, we can reduce the risk they pose. So the liver's excretion of surplus lipoproteins is a big part of maintaining a balance of blood lipids, and of course it's not just lipoproteins that it needs to deal with. One of its main jobs is detoxification, the filtering and biotransformation of toxins, anything from alcohol, caffeine and medications to redundant hormones and the waste products of metabolism. The enzymatic reactions of phase 1 and phase 2 detoxification make these substances more hydrophilic, more water-soluble, so that they can be transported out of the body in sweat, urine, or via the bile to the gut and the feces. The intermediary metabolites of this process can often be more harmful than the original toxin, and it's important that what phase 1 detoxification begins, phase 2 is able to complete in a timely fashion. Equally, toxins can be reabsorbed from the bile and the gut back into the bloodstream. While the term detox is frankly contentious, often misused, missold and misguided, there are things we can do to support the liver in its task, like providing the precursor nutrients for phase 1 detoxification, the B vitamins, vitamins A and D and the substrates of the six conjugation processes involved in phase two, like sulfur from cruciferous vegetables, glucuronic acid and the precursors to our master antioxidant, glutathione. It's of note that many of these precursor nutrients are most abundant in animal foods, raising questions about your typical plant-based cleanse. Again, Digestion is an essential component in all this, not only in the absorption of these nutrients, but in terms of its role in excretion. If our bowels are unable to move, we're more vulnerable to that process of reabsorbing toxic substances back into the body. And of course, the same points regarding the health of the microbiome apply here. As we talked about in the previous episode on the foundations, functional digestion is mediated by the parasympathetic branch of the autonomic nervous system, and it's perhaps no accident that detoxification in the liver relies on the same parasympathetic tone. Stress is no friend to digestion, just as it's no friend to detoxification. On the subject of the central nervous system, the past few years have revealed the existence of the gut-brain axis, a direct line of communication between the enteric nervous system and the central nervous system that allows our gut bacteria to affect our brain and vice versa. This extraordinary revelation links disorders of digestive dysfunction like IBS and dysbiosis with those of the central nervous immune and endocrine systems. It's incredible to think that individual strains of bacteria in our gut can affect symptoms of depression and anxiety, or the hormone signalling of our stress response. Perhaps even more surprising is that those neurological states can in turn affect the individual strains of bacteria in our gut. That these bacteria have the ability to modulate our immune system's cytokine and chemokine signalling is equally mind-blowing, but perhaps it shouldn't be. Perhaps this link was intuitively understood in ancient wisdom, the forgotten remains of which litter our vernacular. I have a gut feeling that it might have been. That's it for now. Come and find me on Instagram at Ruston's Boneyard and at www.rustonsboneyard.com Keep cooking.